rescued from wicked and evil people. We pray for their protection, Lord God, that your angels would surround about them and protect them, that they would be led by your spirit as to where to go and what to do and when not to go someplace, when to speak and when not to speak. Father, we ask for you to uh, supply for them financially, abundantly in Jesus' name. And Father, we lift up our tithes and offerings to you and we ask that you would accept them as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you that you would be blessed by our tithes and offerings today, Lord God. And, Father, as we go out and share the gospel today, we pray also that as we share your gospel, that the message that we give of salvation would spread rapidly, that it would go forth boldly and forcefully with great power in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers can receive the tithes and offerings. Good morning. How are you doing? Everybody doing okay? All right. Did you bring your Bibles with you? All right. Well, how many have them on their phone? You have it on your phone or somewhere. That's good. Always bring your Bible, even if it's on a computer, on a phone, whatever. If you don't have a Bible, we have some for you. Hey, um, this Wednesday night, and it was just on the announcements, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be teaching for four Wednesday nights from 7 until 8 o'clock on 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. And uh, uh, actually, now there's no, there's not two churches in Thessalonica, you know, like 1st Baptist, 2nd Baptist, you know. A lot of you didn't get that humor, but that's pretty funny. There's one church, two letters, but there's much on the end times, if you enjoy the end times, the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church, those sorts of things. We'll be covering those, and also I prepared a homework assignment for you, so anybody that wants to come, you can stop by the uh, connections table on the way out and pick up this uh, sheet. There's 30 questions. They're real easy. It just takes you through the first couple of chapters of First Thessalonians, and you can fill those out. We won't make you hand those in, or I won't call on you in the class to give the answers. Um, I never did that. When I was a math teacher at, the, at Merrimack, I, I never liked putting people on the spot. Did anybody ever like getting put on the spot? When you're so I don't call on people and put you on the spot. But if you if you're coming to the class and you want to get all out of the class that you can pick this up, fill it out. It'll it'll be helpful to you and come and we'll have a good time on Wednesday night. What time does it start at seven, seven to eight? We'll have a good time. All right. Let's get into the word of God. Go to first John, if you would, chapter four, first John, chapter four. And we're going to read in. uh, we're going to read two verses here, verse 16 and 17. Um, John is writing here, and he says, And we have known and believed. Now notice, known and believed. What, what's he talking about? We have known and believed the love that God has for us. And then he says, God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Now notice again verse 16, he says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You know, it's not enough to just know that God loves you. If you ask most people, you know, does God does God love me? The, mo- most people would probably say yes to that. Now there's some people that 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 might balk at that, but I think most people, most Christians, and even most most folk that don't go to church don't even believe, you know, really believe on the Lord. And you know, if you just ask them, does God love you? They, they most of them probably say, well, yes, if they even believe that there is a God. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. But there's a difference between knowing God loves you, having a mental assent to it, and really believing that he loves you down deep in your heart. You see, we must not only know that God loves us, but we have to also believe that he loves us. And and there's a great price to pay if you don't believe that he loves you. And the price is this. Notice in verse 17. If you don't 
have a firm foundation that, that, that you not only know he loves you, but you also believe that he loves you, it's going to cost you, in verse 17, you're not going to have boldness. You're not, what does that mean? You're not going to have boldness. You're not going to have confidence to accomplish everything that God has called you to do in this life. Now, I know what I'm talking about because I've lived this, and, uh, and I think it's happened to probably all of us. And uh, how many of you know there is a devil? There, there really, really is, and, and there, there are demons, there really are, and, and, uh, and, and they'll come around. Have you ever had to have the devil whisper something, like in your ear almost, like a thought that goes through your head? And, and here's, here's what he'll do. Now, listen carefully. He'll say, God doesn't really love you as much as he loves other people. Have you ever had that go through your head besides me, anybody? Oh, yeah. If you're honest, you've probably had that thought. If you've done anything for God, you've probably had that thought. God doesn't really love you as much as he loves somebody else. Now... That's how the devil will operate. What the devil tries to do to all of us is he tries to minimize us. Say minimize. minimize. He'll try to minimize you. He'll try to minimize you. What do I mean by that? Get you to thinking that you're not important. Get you to thinking that you really don't count for much. Get you to thinking that you really don't make any difference. You know one reason why a lot of people don't vote? And you ask them, they'll say, well, I just have one vote and my vote really doesn't matter that much. The same thing is true in the kingdom of God and working for the Lord. The devil will try to minimize you and get you to think that your service toward God really isn't that important. It's really not... A big deal whether or not you do anything for the Lord, whether or not you volunteer in the local church. It's not really a, a big deal. If, 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 if I don't do something around the church or I don't do anything for the Lord, God has a lot of other people to, to get the job done. I can tell you he doesn't have a lot of other people to get the job done. Can you say amen? amen. But when you, when, when, when you look at a person that has been minimized, there's something else. Why pray? Your prayers don't really make that much difference. There's no reason to pray. I mean, look at all the other people that God has praying. Uh, I tell you from experience, there's not a whole lot of Christians that, that really do pray. I'm just doing this a long time. Not here to put anybody down. I've just been doing this a long time. Listen, the devil will try to minimize you. And, and get you to thinking that you're not important and that you don't count. And in almost every single case, if you trace it back, because I've done it with people, you trace it back, you'll see that it all started with God, or I'm sorry, with the devil saying, you're not that important. God doesn't really love you. You don't make that big of a difference. And realize, say, that's a lie. That's a lie. It, it's a lie. How many of you know the devil is a liar? You can't believe anything he says. But that's how he operates. So you see, when the devil comes and lies to you and says, you know, you're not that important. You don't make that much difference. You know, God doesn't really love you as much as he loves somebody else. And all of that, that those lies. See, if, if you just have a mental assent that God loves you, the devil's going to trip you up every single time. But if you not only know that God loves you, but you also what? Huh? believe it in your heart, then the devil won't be able to lie to you successfully and he won't be able to... Don't you just love these things? I need to... Anybody got some super glue? I'm not going to even try to put it on. You'll just have to listen to the... Because it'll do that without that. Hear that? Don't you just hate that? We can figure out a way to put this on there. No. Huh? It's going to pop pop all the way. You want to put it on? How many of you want my wife to put that on? The sound man does. All right. Thank you.
Are you getting anything or am I just boring the tar out of you? Am I boring the tar out of you? Am I doing all right? So we not only have to know that God loves us, but we have to what? Believe it. Listen, this is a very important message because this is where a lot of, I'd say most Christians really get tripped up right here. They know God loves them, but they don't really, really believe it. They're not really sold out to it. And you have to not only know that he believes you, <laughs> you have to know that he loves you, but you also have to what? Believe it. Okay? Now, think about John. Does anybody remember John? We just read out of 1 John. He was one of Jesus' apostles. Do you know what he wrote about himself on several occasions? He said that he called himself the disciple whom what? Whom Jesus loved. John had a revelation that Jesus loved him. And I'm not so sure that a lot of Christians that I've met over the years could really confidently write that. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Some people wouldn't be able to write it because they think it's prideful or haughty. But it's not being prideful or haughty to know that God loves you and to believe it. John knew and believed. Didn't he write right here? Let's look at it again. 1 John 4.16. Let's look at it again. I'm going slow. I want you to get this. And we have what? Known and what? Believed what? What? The love that God has for us. You see, John could write that without being hypocritical because he not only knew that God loved him, but he believed it. Because he wrote on many occasions over in the gospel account of John, he wrote the disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't even refer to himself as John. He wrote the disciple whom Jesus loved. We ought to be, you know, I think we ought to, you know, write that about ourselves once in a while. I'm the disciple whom what? Jesus loved and loves. It's very important. This is one of the most important messages you could ever hear or get a hold of. That God not only, you not only know he loves you, but you believe it. Now let me just read from my notes here. Until, and I've already said it, but I want to say it again. I'm going slow today. I want you to get this. Until you not only know, but also truly believe that God loves you, you'll never walk in the fullness that he has for you. You'll get right up to... The point he wants you to be at and then you'll back off. Why? Because without knowing and believing God loves you, you're going to lack the boldness that you need to do all that he has for you to do. Did you get that? How many, how many of you got that? You got that? Did you get that? I'm going to go over it again. I want you to get it. I'm going slow today. I want you to get this. Until you not only know but also truly believe that God loves you. You'll never walk in the fullness that he has for you. You never will. You'll get right up to, 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 just right up to the point of being able to walk in the fullness that he has for you. And then you'll back off every single time. You'll lack boldness. And the reason being is that the devil will lie to you. And he'll say stuff like I said a while ago. You're not that important. God doesn't really love you. How many of you know every believer is important? I said every believer is important. Every single believer is important. Every single one. You know, um, I've watched this from the time I was a kid. I've been around lots of churches over the years. And, and I've watched this where, where and you, you actually see it a lot of times at the leadership where, you know, the pastor will be up on a pedestal and then you have the deacons and the elders. And, and then, you know, by the time you get down to the greeters at the door, they're just like the... Like they're not important. How many of you know the greeters at the door are some of the most important people that you'll ever have in the church? They really are. They're the first people that visitors meet when they come in. Is that, is that right? And so I've always been a big stickler for everybody's equal. Nobody's better than anybody else. I don't care how much money you have or don't have. Around here, you're going to be treated equally. Did you hear me? You know, if you volunteer or if you don't, I'm going to do my best to love you and treat you just the same. Because everybody is precious in the eyes of God. Is that right? Come on, help me out a little bit. Is that right? And uh, it's just sad when people feel minimized and they feel like they're not important and that, and that they don't count because they do. Now look at this. He says here, we've known and believed the love God has for us. 
The love that God has for us, it's the Greek word, it's the Greek word agape, and it's the God kind of love, it's an unconditional love. You have to know and believe that God loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. What does that mean? That means no matter what you do or don't do, God is going to love you. No matter what you do or don't do, God is going to love you. No matter what you do or don't do, God is going to love you. You know, I think uh, so many of us growing up, did that thing come off again? Uh, oh, to heck with it. We'll just let it pop. We'll just put some super glue on it. Anyway, most of us have been, I don't know if you're like me, but, but most of us have been, been, been around love that's conditional. You know, if, if you do what the person wants, then they'll love you. And if you don't do what they want, then they won't love you. Has anybody been around that kind of, kind of thing besides me? You know, and uh, uh, I know that uh, in a certain situation I was in years ago, the individual that I was, I was volunteering in a particular situation. And as long as I did everything that that individual wanted, um, he, he, he would project love toward me. But if I didn't do everything that the person wanted, then it was, it was like the love was, was withheld. Did you know that's really a control tactic? Uh, did you know that? How many of you know that? That people will do that a lot of times to, to manipulate. But you know, God's not a manipulator. And He loves us with an unconditional love. That means there's nothing you can do to get Him to love you. And there's nothing that you cannot do. To get him to love you. He loves you no matter what. Can, can you say amen to that? It's unconditional. You can't, you can't make God stop loving you. No matter how disobedient you've, you've been. And you shouldn't, we shouldn't be disobedient. We ought, to, we ought to be obedient to the Lord. But no matter how disobedient you've been. God still loves you. That love never changes. Aren't you glad that he's that way? And, and, you know, we ought to be that way as well as we, we, we uh, treat people, you know, the way we treat people. We ought to love people no matter what. Is that correct? But we have to know and believe that God loves us and that, that, that that's never going to change. And so anyway, I said all of that today to, to just say this to you, that, that I, I'm trying to build a foundation in you so that you'll not only know, but, but you'll believe the love that God has for you and that you'll be able to do all that, that he's... Uh, Want you to do now let's look at some of the people that God loves let's look at some of the people that God loves and let's see if we can find you in this list anywhere first of all let's go to Ephesians 525 let's just look at some of the groups of people from the Bible that God loves first of all in Ephesians 525 it says husbands love your wives well we could preach a whole series on that. Maybe we will sometime. We have in the past. But notice, notice, go on here. Just as Christ also loved who? The church. And gave himself for her. So does God love church people? And I don't think anybody would argue with that. God loves church people. God loves people that go to church. And, and that, that are truly born again. And, you know, you, you know just because you go to church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Now, you know that, don't you? You understand that going to church, doing good deeds, all that, that won't get you to heaven. You, you know that, don't you? We've made that clear. You know the thing that gets you to heaven is faith in Christ. Is that right? Okay, so you know that. But, but notice here the point of this message is that Christ, Jesus, who is God, he loved the church. And by the way, when we love and when God loves, he doesn't just, you know, it's real. You know, how many of you know talk is cheap a lot of times? Just because somebody says they love you doesn't mean that they really do. Because how many of you know actions speak louder than words? And so, so God not only loved us in word, but he also loved in deed in that, notice, what did Jesus do? He gave himself for the church. So he, 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 he not only loves us in word, but he loves us in deed. Notice right here, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Isn't that wonderful? Is, is that wonderful? So God loves church people. But notice if you, you would, John 3.16. Let's go to the most famous verse in the Bible probably. And most of you could quote this, but it's good to look at this. For God so what? So... Loved who? 
the world. Now that's that's savory and unsavory people. Is that correct? Doesn't the didn't Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Didn't he say that he causes the sun to rise on the just and the it rains on the just and the and so God so loved the world that he what he See, he doesn't just love in word, but he also loves in action, in deed. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this is a great salvation scripture. That whoever, what, believes in him. Now, that word believe doesn't just mean mental assent. It means a a selling out in your heart. Whoever believes in him, sells out to him, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to what? condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Is it God good? So we need to not only know, but believe this love that he has for each and every one of us. Christ loved the church. He gave himself for the church. But then the Bible says God so loved the world. Now, if you would go to Romans 5 and verse 6, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at, uh, you know, we'll... we'll say a little bit more about the world here because we're church people we're here in church we love the Lord if we didn't love the Lord we wouldn't be here more than likely but notice this one and this has always been these verses have always been so important to me notice this Romans 5 or 6 for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for who for the who Now, did you qualify for that at one time? I know I did. He died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Well, let me just explain that. Uh, Let's see. What's the best way to do this? Uh, How many knows who Shirley Temple is? You know who Shirley Temple is? How many knows who Dennis the Menace is? All right. Now, how many would probably take a bullet for Shirley Temple? Now, how many would take a bullet for Dennis the Menace? Now then, let's get right down here where it really where you could really relate to this. How many of you would take your only child and have your only child take a bullet for Shirley Temple. Okay. Now, how many of you would have your only child take a bullet for Dennis the Menace? No. Well, guess what? God gave his only son to take a bullet for people that were far worse than Dennis the Menace. That'd be you and me. Is that wonderful? Was that a good example? Now, can you see how God loves? I mean, there's some of you, when I'm, when I'm talking about you giving your child for, for Shirley Temple, you're saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. But just think, and I understand, but just think the kind of love that God has for us, that he gave his only son to go to the cross so you and I wouldn't have to. Now, we need to, now that's love, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God wonderful? He gave his only son, Jesus, to take the bullet, if you will, for you and me on the cross. Isn't he wonderful? He's wonderful, isn't he? That's the God kind of love. That's really what verse 7 is. If you ever wondered what verse 7 meant, that's kind of it in a nutshell. That God not only gave His Son for a bunch of good people, He gave His Son for a bunch of horrible people. Sinners. How many of you know Jesus died up there as bad as He was? He died up there for Adolf Hitler. As bad as Hitler was, Jesus died for Him too. Is that right? Didn't He? Did He die for Saddam Hussein? Did He die for the little rocket man over there in North Korea? Huh? I I shouldn't do that. But did Jesus die for him? Jesus died for everybody, didn't he? We ought to have good enough sense to receive him, shouldn't we? Receive Jesus. So the bad people, 
Jesus died for them. That's what verse 7. Now look at verse 8. But God demonstrates. Are you seeing that love not only talks but it acts? God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still, still, still what? Sinners, Christ died for us. So what kind of people does God love? He loves church people, but he also loves me nasty people, doesn't he? Now here's let's 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 go on. We a couple of groups here that we're looking at. He loves everybody, but I'm just kind of giving you some groups here. Go to John eight. How many's ever heard of that woman taken in adultery? Remember that? And 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 the Pharisees and and the Sadducees or whatever the groups were, those religious people, they they set this woman up. And really, they were trying to set Jesus up. They were trying to catch him in a trap, and and so they 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 waited. They, for all I know, these Pharisees might have set this whole thing up to get this woman in this bed of adultery. Isn't that sad that religious people would do do something like that? How many of you know those religious people in Jesus' day? They crabbed about it when he healed that person. He healed a lot of people on the Sabbath day. Remember that. Remember that one guy had that with that withered arm, and and he, Jesus said, "Stretch it forth." He stretched forth his hand; and it was healed. Remember that, and they griped and complained because Jesus did it on the wrong day. Isn't that isn't that horrible? I'm talking about man-made religion. That that you know the religion of the Bible is fine, but but the man-made stuff is horrible. And so anyway, these religious people they took this woman out of the bed of adultery. You all know what adultery is, don't you? It's Having sex when you're not mar- to the person you're not married to that that's not good is that, is that right that's not good anyway so they take her out of this bed and they bring her down to Jesus and they throw her at his feet you most of you know the story and um, they begin to question Jesus and they wanted her to be stoned because according to the law of Moses she was supposed to be stoned because she committed adultery but yet Jesus was preaching love and forgiveness so if he says don't stone her he's violating the law of Moses and if he says um, uh, you know uh, to stone her then he's violating what he's been teaching on love and forgiveness so he's kind of caught you know in that trap between a rock and a hard place you know and so, remember what Jesus did. He stooped down. He wrote on the ground. Now, I don't know for sure what he wrote on the ground. He probably wrote the Ten Commandments. Probably. Because as he was writing those, those commandments out, those, and I, I personally think he was probably, the people that was there, those religious people, he was probably writing their names and the sin they committed right next to their name. Pro- probably. That's probably what he was doing. And what does the Bible say? That they all became convicted, the, the, the people that brought her down there, and they began to drop their rocks. You know, I've dropped my rocks a long time ago. I stopped throwing stones at people. You should too, you know, if you haven't. Um, but but he, they all dropped their rocks and they left. How many remembers that story? Because Jesus said to them, he said, He that is without what? Sin among you cast the first stone. And none of them were without sin, so none of them could throw the stone. Think about it. Jesus was the only one there that didn't have any sin. He's the only one there that could have legally thrown a stone at her. Right? He, he could have, but he didn't. And notice here in John 8, verse 10, when Jesus has raised, had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Accusers of yours, has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, What did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Did Jesus love her? He loved her. Now, you need to realize this, that, that a lot of church people that I've met over the last... I'm not talking in this church now. You all, you all are wonderful people. But over the years, a lot of church people I've met would have kicked this woman flat out of the church. Would have thrown her out on her ear. Thrown her out on the curb. Do you know that when, when, when people are throwing other folk out, uh, Jesus is, is not throwing anybody out. He's, he's loving people. Did you know that? How many of you know that? We have a very unique situation here. We've got a lot of good, loving people in this church. I, I've, I've looked at a lot of churches over the years. I mean, the, the, I've seen churches already where the pastor just messed up just to, in the littlest old thing, and they was ready to run, it, run him out of town. Isn't that sad? That's sad. We need to love people. 
But notice this. We, we shouldn't be looking for ways to kick people out. We ought to be looking for ways to restore people if they mess up. Is that right? Is, is that correct? Now, Jesus, he, he says to her, he says, neither do I condemn you. But then he says something else. He said, go and what? Does he condone sin? He doesn't condone sin. He didn't tell her that what she did was okay. It was, uh, you know, he didn't condone it. But he didn't condemn her. And that's the thing that we need to realize. I don't care how bad you've messed up. I don't care what area you've messed up in. And I don't care how many times you've messed up in it. God still loves you. Isn't that wonderful? We need to know that and believe it. Here's, a, here's something else. Mark 10. Go to Mark 10. How many of you remember, just a few more of these, and I won't go on too much longer, but just a few more of these. How many of you know that uh, uh, the rich young ruler, you ever hear the rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus? Look at this. Mark ten seventeen. Jesus was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good but one. That is God. For you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Do you see self-righteousness in here? I'm, I'm quite convinced that this guy was a know-it-all. I used to kind of be like this guy when I was a kid. I knew it all. I thought I knew it all. Nobody could tell me anything. I had it all figured out. And I'm convinced that that's what this guy was like. He, he had it all figured out. I've kept them all. I've done everything right. I've never, I've never, I've never missed a thing. I've never, never done anything wrong. Those kind of people are obnoxious, aren't they? I used to be one of those kind of people. You wouldn't like me very much when I was in my late teens, early 20s. I, even, even younger than that, I was uh, kind of a know-it-all, I thought. And uh, nonetheless, he says, all these things I've kept from my youth, self-righteous. I think kind of haughty myself. It's interesting, Jesus looking at him, what? Jesus looking at him, what? Jesus looking at him, loved him. So does Jesus love us even when we're being like this guy, thinking we've never missed it, we've got it all figured out, we're self-righteous, does he still love us? No. I'm just trying to get you to see that God loves people. Simple message here. He loved him. This guy, I never missed it. I've never, I've kept all these commandments from my youth. It's interesting. We're going to see that this guy thought he'd kept all the commandments and he hadn't even kept the first one. What's the first commandment? You'll have no other gods before me. Now watch this. He said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Notice this next one. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I like to say it this way. The great possessions have had him. See, he hadn't kept the first commandment. Money was his God, and he put money ahead of God. And even though this young man, self-righteous as he was, thought he'd kept them all and hadn't even kept the first one, did Jesus still love him? I'm so glad that Jesus loved me when I was younger and I was self-righteous and obnoxious and thought I had it all figured out, and I didn't. And he even loved me when I cheated my grandma at Old Maid. I mean, I, do you know what Old Maid is, the card game? I, I cheated her at it. I, I marked the back of the Old Maid, and she could never understand why I never picked the Old Maid. It's because I had the back of it marked. But, you know, Jesus loved me. Now, would Jesus have condoned that? And my grandma is going to get me when I see her in heaven one of these days. And I'm going to plead the blood of the Lord Jesus, you know, and all of that. But if she didn't know what I was cheating her, she would have, because she walked on a cane. She would have taken that cane and hooked me around the neck. Because that's what she'd do when she'd get mad. She'd hook you around the neck with that cane. But, how many, but you know what? 
Jesus still loved me. You know, my grandma still loved me too. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Folks, this is not a real deep message today. What am I trying to do? I'm just trying to get you to see that God loves you. And you need to know that and believe it. No matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, you know, you've committed sexual sin, if you've been ungodly, if you've, if you've been self-righteous, he loves all these people. Now, now this, this guy here had a lot of money, and he was self-righteous. Did Jesus still love him? Yeah. And not only did Jesus love this guy, he was, he was rich, but if you look back at, at, uh, look back at verse 21, he said, sell what you have and give to the poor. Does Jesus love poor people also? Yeah, he does. Uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, you find it over in the book of James, where James is getting off on the church people, and he's telling them, he said, how come that you treat rich people with respect, but poor people, you make them stand back in the corner? Why do you do that? That's putting it in my own words now. You know, I, I, how many of you know, no matter how much, I've said it earlier in this sermon, I'm going to say it again, no matter how much money you have or don't have, Jesus still loves you exactly the same and you should be treated exactly the same. Is that right? Is that right? Do you know back, uh, somebody told me this uh, some, some months back and, and I didn't realize this, I, I should have realized it, but did you know that in some of the churches back in the, I guess it was in the 1800s and even before that, that people, if they were rich, they would buy their pew on the front row. Isn't that something? Sad, isn't it? Everybody ought to be treated equal, is that right? That's the way God looks at it. Look at Luke 15 and 20. That, that rich young ruler walked away from Jesus. Let me just give you the story of the prodigal son. How many of you know this prodigal son? He came to his dad. He said, give me what you have. Give me all that's mine. He said, uh, he said I'm going to go away. And uh, I'm leaving. I'm, leave, I'm leaving. And the dad gave him what was his. And how many of you know he went away? He went into riotous living. He wound up in the pig pen, didn't he? He was, he was spending his money on harlots and everything else. And he repented. Long story short, he came back. And look at Luke 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still, what? A great way off, his father saw him and had what? And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He killed the fatty calf, put a ring on his finger and all that, robe on his back. Is that right? So if you walk away from the Lord and get off in a sinful lifestyle, does he still love you? Will he still welcome you back? Isn't he good? I'm going slow today. I want you to get this very simple message. Does God love you? Yeah, he does. Uh, look at Luke's, and I, I, real quickly, Luke 17, you're right there in Luke 15. Look at Luke 17, verse 15. Remember the ten lepers? They came to Jesus and they wanted to be healed. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed and all of that. Verse, 17, uh, verse 15, Luke 17, 15. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and uh, said with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks he was a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan was a half-breed Jew. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like the Jews, but the Jews really didn't like the Samaritans, and they'd have nothing to do with them. But notice, Jesus healed this guy. You see that? And Jesus answered and said, verse 17, he said, Were there not tens, ten that were cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not, were there not found anyone to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Let me tell you what, Jesus loves you no matter what your skin color is. You need to know that. Did you hear me? It does, red, yellow, black, white, we're all what? Precious in His sight, aren't we? Oh, yeah. There's no place in any church for any form of racism. Can you say amen? God hates it. I said God hates it. 
I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your nationality is. God loves you just as much as He loves anybody else. You understand that? And do you see what the devil's trying to do again? And he's been pretty successful at stirring up that race racism here in the nation lately, hasn't he? Hasn't he? And it's, it's always pretty much been here, even from the founding of the nation all the way to the present hour. It just gets stirred up now and then. Isn't it sad? But we as a church are not going to let that spirit run rampant in this nation again. Can you say amen? We can keep it bound up. We're going to keep it bound up at least in the area we have authority over. But I tell you what, it doesn't make any difference what color your skin is or what nationality you are. My... Uh, my son is married to a black lady, and I'm just so blessed. It just blesses me. And I've got grandchildren that are half black and half white. Zoe and Alex, I just love them to pieces. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. Can you say amen? amen. God, doesn't, God does not look at skin color. God looks at heart color. He looks at your condition of your heart. Do you hear me? And so... Um, that's where God stands on it. That's where I stand on it. Okay? God loves, loves all people equally. And some people would say that, that God loves the Jew more than he does anybody else. How many of you know he doesn't love the Jew more than anybody else? He chose the Jews. That's Jesus came out of the, the Jewish, Jewish nation, you know. And Jesus is, is Jewish. You know, he's born of a virgin, but half of him, the Jew, Mary was a Jew. Is that right? Is that right? And he used the Jews to bless the nations. God doesn't love the Jews more than he loves anybody else. He, he chose them to bless the nations. Can you say amen? amen. So uh, one thing I'd ask you to do is examine your heart. See if there's any... You know, racism is a real ugly thing. It's very subtle. And it can creep in and get in there when you don't even realize it's there. But uh, I tell you what, God hates any form of racism. Can you say amen? And he loves all people equally. And he loves people. Look at Matthew 26, verse 48. I hope you're getting something out of this. Matthew 26, 48. Look at, who betrayed Jesus? Does anybody remember? Oh, Judas. Look at Matthew 26, 48. Now his betrayer had given him a sign. So you can read verse 48 and all that. For sake of time, Judas came to him, his betrayer. Look at verse 50. What did Jesus call Judas in verse 50? What did he call him? Now here's a man that just sold him out for, he'd been with him three, about three, three and a half years. He just sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And what did he call him? He called him, isn't Jesus wonderful? He sure is. And not only that, look at Luke 22, verse 50. Does anybody remember the name of the guy that cut off uh, the servant? Of, who cut off the servant of the high priest here? Does anybody remember? Who, 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 who cut it off? Peter. What was that servant's name? Does anybody know? It starts with an M. Malchus. And does anybody remember? You find it Luke 22, verse 50, 51. You can read it. Does anybody remember what Jesus did to Malchus's ear the very night that, 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 that Peter cut that ear off? Does anybody remember what Jesus did to the servant of the high priest's ear? What did he do? He put, that'd be cool to watch Jesus put his ears back on. He healed it, didn't he? And this guy came to, he was trying to kill Jesus. Is that right? Doesn't God love people? He sure does. And then, and then, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, what did he say? He said, Father, for, for, for what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many people have you ever met that if they'd have been hanging on the cross, they'd have been cussing and going on? Is that right? Kicking and screaming. Is that right? But Jesus, I mean, he's up there dying for them and for us. They're mocking him and he says father what for give them for they know not what they do that's some kind of love isn't it let's go to two more verses luke 20 21 if you attend here regularly i give you a lot of scripture that's a good thing luke 20 21 
You don't want to go to a church where you're entertained. You want to go to a church where you're taught the Word of God. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Luke 20, 21. Now, you learn a lot about God right here. The Pharisees, it says they, but it's the Pharisees asked Jesus, saying, Teacher, we know that you say that... We know that you we know that you say and teach truth. Golly, I'm having trouble today. Let's start over. Then they ask him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show what? Now you know how they knew that? Because I'm sure they tried to get him to show personal favoritism, because that's the kind of people the Pharisees were, but Jesus would show no personal favoritism. Isn't that wonderful? You teach the way of God in truth. God loves everybody equally. God doesn't have any favorites. Now let me tell you, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. This is really good. And this will answer a lot of questions for you. Listen to this. This is really good. God loves everybody the same, but not everybody loves God the same. That'll answer a lot of questions for you. God loves everybody the same, but not everybody loves God the same. Lord, why does it look like you're favoring that person over me? I had this conversation with the Lord one time. God, why does it look like you're favoring that person over me? Why does it look like? Does he show personal favoritism? No. Lord, why does it look like you're doing so much more for that person than you're doing for me? Well, maybe they've done a bunch of things for God that I wasn't willing to do. God loves everybody the same, but not everybody loves God the same. Is that true or not? You know it's right. There's not everybody loves God the same. How many remember David and his brothers, Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah? Remember that? Did God love David more than his brothers? No, but guess what? David loved God more than his brothers loved God. Is that right? What I just said right there was worth coming to church for and getting. Just what I said right there, it answers lots of questions. When it looks like God's doing stuff for other people that he's not doing for you, God loves everybody the same, but what? But not everybody loves God the same. That was good, wasn't it? And then the last one, we'll close right here. And this is the most outstanding one. Of everything I've said today, this is the most outstanding. John seventeen twenty three. Jesus is praying. And it's really right before he goes to the cross. And he says, I and them and you and me. He's talking to the Father now. Jesus talking to the Father. That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them. As you have loved me. What did he just say there? Jesus just said that the heavenly father loves you and me as much as he loves Jesus. Did you know God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Now I fought with that one for a long time. And I still fight with it in my head. Because it's hard for me to really really believe that God the father loves me as much as he loves Jesus. But did Jesus just say that right there? Did he or didn't he? And folks, if you ever want to be all that God has for you to be, you're going to have to not only know, but you're going to have to believe that the Heavenly Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And that's one of the hardest things to accept mentally. It's one of the hardest things to grab a hold of in your heart. But I'm telling you from experience, if you want to do all that God has for you to do, you're not only going to have to know, but you're going to have to also believe that God, the Father, loves you just as much as He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, if you just had my word, you could question it. But what did he say here? He says, you've loved them. Now, he's talking to his disciples. But we're their representative group of you and me. That you've loved them as you've loved me. So did Jesus just say that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? Yeah, he did. How many believes that? We've got three people. All right, I'm going to have to preach the whole message over again. I believe it. I, I do. I, I, I just, I'll be honest with you. I still struggle with that, but I believe it because Jesus said it. Say, God loves me 
as much as He loves Jesus. Say it again. God loves me as much as He loves Jesus. Say, say this. God the Father loves me just as much as He loves His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when you get a hold of that, not only in your head, but with your heart, I tell you what, the devil's not going to be able to lie to you and get away with it. And you're going to rise up and do all that God has for you to do. Did you get anything out of this? And remember this, God loves you the way you are. And if you get this next statement, you'll understand this pulpit a little better. God loves, the way I teach, God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Is that good? See, you want to go to a church where people love you just the way they are, but the pastor loves you too much to leave you that way. That's why once in a while we might take the Word of God, step on your toes a little bit, you know. Because, you see, we love you just the way you are, but as a pastor I've got to do some work on you, you know, some time to time. Is that right? You know, from the Word of God. So we love you just the way you are, but what do we have to do? Love you too much to what? Leave you that way. So if there's gossip gets in your life, then I get to, get to preach on gossiping, you know, and get worked that out of there, you see. Or if, if something gets, a little racism gets in, you know, we get in there and today we work, work that out of you, you know. Or if, if you're cheating your grandma at old maid, we get up there and we teach on that and we work that out. Can you say amen? Do you get anything out of this? Stand with me. This, this was an easy one today, but that's, that's good. Sometimes they're the best. Let's pray. Bow your heads if you would. There'll be some men and women standing up here before we pray. Listen, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that before you leave today. There really is a heaven to gain. There really is a hell that you don't want to go to. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins. That just means have a change of heart. Turn away from your old lifestyle and just say, Jesus, come into my heart. If you do that... With a believing heart, Jesus will come in in a moment of time. You'll get born again. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. That's a wonderful deal. And uh, he'll make your life worth living.